Today's date is July 31st, 2017. Hello and welcome to Hit the Books Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you the saucy deets on everything comics this week. Emery, what have you been reading? Uh, Lately, I've been keeping up on the two different X-Men series that they have going on right now, Blue and Gold. Mm -hmm. Both very decently well-written. I've also been reading things like uh, Hawkeye and America. Oh, the one you're so fond of. (laughs) Funny. Um, And uh, Occupy Avengers. Uh, which how are you liking that one occupy avengers is actually one of the more interesting titles that i've read mostly because uh it has a very political slant to their writing in a good way or a bad way um i would say a good way uh the 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 first ep uh not episode issue is starring hawkeye Clint Barton Hawkeye, to be more specific, since there are two now. Uh, really? <laughs> yes. How do you keep track of any of this? Uh, very, very carefully. <laughs> uh, Clinton Barton Hawkeye has managed to, and this is uh, post-Civil uh, War II, uh, after having successfully killed the Hulk on what was basically live television, um, and being acquitted because um, being acquitted of murder because he was basically asked to by Bruce. Um, this isn't really a spoiler, folks. This happened a while ago, and everybody talked about it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, he's decided to basically be an as much of an incognito hero as possible, but it doesn't work. Everyone recognizes him wherever he goes, <laughs> and he ends up basically trying to hide away in a basically a native american reservation and he ends up happening upon some nefarious plot where he is basically there like right place right time kind of helps save the day but uh, this is kind of like a white savior type of thing ish it, he doesn't really do that much good because he's still an archer in an age of guns. <laughs> uh, with that being said, he's still an Avenger, and he still tries to do good for this Native American reservation that has something very akin to a Dakota Access Pipeline issue happening. Gotcha. And yeah, things just get more interesting from there, to be sure. Um I have a few other titles that I'm reading, but their names escape me currently. I, I will say this, though. Uh, America, the series. God, I really hate that they called it that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get it. That's the name of the character. But get it? This is like, get it? It's America. Get it? Yeah, like this. This is clearly what... Marvel wants to portray is what America should be a super powerful from a utopian society Latina lesbian utopia uh, yes without any kind of character conflict it, yeah no no not even a little bit 
And they sounds th- thrilling. <laughs> uh, someone else write this. <laughs> I mean, it's like I get it. I do. They want to have a character out there that more people can identify with. But when you make a character that basically has no stakes, like they're they're not in danger of anything really. It it just there there's nothing to compel me or make me like care about what happens to them next because I kind of already know they'll be fine. It, it just it hurts. <laughs> But I have to see where it goes. <laughs> does it crash spectacularly or does it get better? <laughs> that, 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 that's what I am hoping to find out. All right. Yeah. Uh, X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold. Um, X-Men Blue specifically is a decent, uh, let's take a team from the past and bring them to the current day type story. Mm-hmm. Um it's the original five. But and I always get this switched out. The blue is the one with the old original yeah. X-Men, right? Yes. They're yeah. the one with the original five. Gotcha. Which is uh, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, Beast, and Angel. Uh, X-Men Gold is the more eclectic, if you will, uh, current day team. With and, Old Man Logan. and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a... Weird story all on its own. Old Man Logan, Shadowcat. I believe Magic is on that team, or no, maybe not Magic. Uh, no, she is. Uh, Magic, Nightcrawler, Storm, and <laughs> Prestige, who is actually Rachel Gray, who I think was the Phoenix before... And then, like, different Marvel Girl before. We just, we, we like renaming her for some reason. I don't get it. She's just a role player. <laughs> <laughs> we we hire her out of free agency to fill a spot. <laughs> when like, we lose a little depth on the team. Like, oh, hey, guys. I'm still here. Uh, like, I have decent powers, and I'm going to make you think of Jane Grey the whole time. You want, you, you want to do punt returns this year? You want to do punt returns? All right, your punt returns now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll catch the ball. <laughs> oh, football season's so close, everybody. Oh, I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> Go Bengals. Go Bengals wearing your Blue Jackets hat? <laughs> hey, Torts just got an extension. I'll huh? have you know. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I had to celebrate that I'll have more entertaining coach cam to watch. <laughs> Yes, please, more of that. And also more Columbus hockey, because that's a thing. Yeah, everybody loves torts. (laughs) Everybody loves torts. You may not like playing against him, but you love watching him. (laughs) Pure entertainment. So anything else? Um, I think that's all for me currently. How about you? I've been playing catch-up. As I told you, I have a huge backlog that I've been trying to work on. And since I'm usually broke, (laughs) uh, I've been uh, going back to those issues to try to prevent myself from buying $100 of new comics to add to the pile. Boxed and boarded and framed, as always. But uh, I've been uh, finishing up Batman Eternal and uh, 
Ooh. Future's End from New 52. They were uh, a weekly comic series during the 75th anniversary of Batman. Hmm. Uh, I finally finished uh, Batman Eternal. That was pretty cool. Um, ending was a little iffy, but it, it, it was clearly like a setup for an event. But uh, it was it was pretty solid all the way through. Like I never lost interest. Uh, there was maybe you know out of fifty two issues, you know, there's gonna be one. I think fifty one issues, but there's yeah. gonna be one or two in there that are like, eh, didn't need that one. But most of them were pretty solid, and the artwork too. Like the artwork was pretty solid, even though you know they were pushing it out every week. Uh, Future's End. Uh, future en- Future's End, I actually think was is a little better so far. I haven't. I'm. I only got like f- four or five issues left. I think I gotta no. check it again. But Future's End, I I'm really loving. Like, I just loved what they did with uh, Batman Beyond, specifically Terry McGinnis and the New Fifty Two. Um, fan favorite. Be- before ten- ten- can't talk. Terry McGinnis. Yeah, before another character uh, had to take over. So, I'm about to finish it off, and uh, hopefully my eyes stay dry. Hopefully. Hopefully. Don't cry. And with that, let's get into the news. First up on the docket, we have Spider-Man Homecoming, which we have just seen. Yeah, so look out for we a did review just see that. Pretty, cl- pretty soon. I think it's safe to say we both loved it. Yeah. And yeah, I, was, I was pretty very cynical. Enjoyable movie, I thought yeah. it was being overhyped, kind of like, because I did not like Guardians Volume 2 very much. And everybody was saying it was even better than the first. And when I saw it, I was just like, it was you not. definitely had your gripes with that movie. So that put me in a bad mood for Spider Man. And uh, having seen it, all my doubts were completely washed away. Spider Man was what they said it was. And uh, Guardians 2, maybe not as much. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It was like you you definitely had your issues with the Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I had at least a couple issues with Spider-Man. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll get into that during the review. Oh, yeah, we will. Can't wait to hear what you say. Yeah. With that being said, I did still enjoy the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway... Our news item is Spider-Man Homecoming has outsold both of the amazing Spider-Man movies uh, starring Andrew Garfield, and uh, which probably means it also outsold the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies because I'm pretty sure Amazing or the Spider-Man Three was somewhere around like 400 million. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and Spider-Man Homecoming worldwide gross at this point is at 650 million. And still going, still has plenty of weeks left, so I can see it getting to around Deadpool levels, which we looked up, which is about seven hundred and fifty million. <laughs> yeah, maybe it, even it, better. It's getting up there. Uh, interestingly enough, this is a movie that uh, Rotten Tomatoes has, according to their ratings. I'm not sure if they've changed over like the last week or so, but. Um, They've put it on the same level as The Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the one thing with ratings. You know, it's like, I enjoyed these movies equally, but it's very clear that The Dark Knight is like a pillar of movie making. <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming is just a really fun, really cool movie. Right. So, 
yeah, take those reviews for mm-hmm. what you will. Sure. Um, it's, it's, yeah. One is Oscar winning and deservedly <laughs> so. And uh, the other is probably not going to get an Oscar, but is really fun and really good. And they did Spider-Man well. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. Did I enjoy them both almost equally? Mm, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give them that much credit, but I, I definitely would not like say it's even close to what the dark knight represents for me uh yeah i saw the dark knight in theaters six times i think six or seven times because i love that movie so much it is almost three hours long (laughs) (laughs) and i dragged everybody i could to see that movie that that is uh i think that might be like a full 24 hour day yeah worth of watching that movie it was a lot of movie tickets (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was even going to see it when it was in, like, the $2 theater, you know, like a year later. (laughs) That being said, worth every penny. Yeah. That IMAX scene where the semi flips. What I would give to see that in theaters again. That IMAX scene. So, anyway, Spider-Man is doing well. No big surprises there, I guess. None. But what's really interesting about it is the deal that Sony made for this movie yeah you want to explain that yeah so fun fact a lot of people thought that oh it's sony and marvel working together they're gonna maybe split the profits on this one because it's mostly marvel doing the work and that's where most people would be wrong what happened in this deal was that sony themselves paid merely a like basically a one-time production fee to marvel for this movie Mm -hmm. and somehow i don't know how they wrote this out Not only for this movie but for the the rights to use them in civil war yeah and going forward in addition to his own movie yes yeah the like with that like marvel now has the rights to use this character much to the enjoyment of every marvel fan and DC what, fan. And DC fan, like people who enjoy these movies. Um, what's surprising is that all of the money that you just said that they made in the box office, all of it goes to Sony. All of it. That is a lot of profit going into <laughs> Sony's pocket for essentially nothing. Yeah. Yeah. The, and boy, did they remind you in those credits. <laughs> Sony. Sony, you're welcome. <laughs> See, they they said be moved under Sony in the at, like after the movie credits. It should have said you're welcome, let's be honest. Yeah. Um and so what does Marvel get out of this other than the use of Spider-Man? Uh well, do they get any profit? They retain a couple of things. Uh, one, the rights to all of the merchandising profits, which are probably significant. They, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Spider-Man is the highest selling toy icon there is. Wow, really? Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he even outsells Batman wow, in that's, toys. That's surprising. Yeah. Batman's got all the gadgets. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, Spider Man, he's got all that uh, that web, that red and blue. Uh, it, you can buy like silly spray or like 
is it silly spring? Oh, I, yeah, yeah, silly string. I yeah, love silly, those little silly launchers. String. That's what it is. Yeah, those launches they had when we were kids. <laughs> like, yeah, you can be Spider Man. I always wanted one so bad, but my mom <laughs> went and get it for me. Yeah, Marvel. for good reason, probably. <laughs> oh yeah, for for very good reason. It gets everywhere. Um, Marvel actually gets to keep the money for any profits from any kind of toy related to Spider-Man now. Wow. Yeah. But not the video games uh, that Sony makes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the money for the video games goes to Sony. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Man, Sony really made out with that deal. That's true. So looking at the stats here. Yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming, domestic total, about $300 million. Worldwide, about $650 million at this point. And its budget was $175 million. So that is a hell of a lot of profit for Sony to just pocket. Yeah. For what is essentially Marvel Studios' work. Yeah. Disney's work. <laughs> Man, what a deal. With that being said, Marvel can't afford it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're not crying at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. I mean... I I think the only thing that I'm waiting for at this point is for Fox to come along and do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Fox is going to let go anytime soon, though. No. One day. <laughs> <laughs> I have hope, damn it. <laughs> Next up, our second topic of the news. Another comic book movie in theaters. Mm, yeah, that's... But not doing so well. Oh, yeah, we have good news and bad news. Spider-Man did good. Valerian and the City (laughs) of a Thousand Planets is bombing hard. Real hard. To give you perspective, if they had not spent too much, they would be doing pretty well. Currently, worldwide, their gross is about $60 million, with you know probably a few more weeks to go. Uh, it, that's based a, on its success yeah that's a reasonable amount for a movie with like any kind of unknown like source material however when you look at the production budget which is mm. more than spider-man homecoming oh a <laughs> tough to swallow 177.2 million dollars oh my god that's death. <laughs> that is box office death. <laughs> more than, far more than double <laughs> of its current gross earnings, not net gross, gross. earnings. Oh, God, that hurts. So that's not including taxes and all all of these things. <laughs> I I doubt there's gonna be a second Valerian, and I'm pretty sure no one is getting a royalty check from this movie. Most likely not, unless uh, somehow. This movie finds its footing in DVD sales. Uh, for those not familiar, Valerian is uh, kind of like a, a space opera, you know, tour de force from France, I believe. Yes. Uh, uh, from... That came out in the 60s and has had spotty volumes throughout the decades. Yeah. Uh, it, there have been volumes here and there, but it's mostly... Uh, at least for anyone who's into comics and from America, it's a niche title. Yeah, it's a. I I had never heard of it until the movie trailer came out. I don't know about you, but yeah, uh, I, I had no idea. We're gonna see it and uh, render our own opinions, but I'm a little 
discouraged seeing the reviews are hovering around 50% for basically every site. Yeah, so it's not really doing well critically, and it's definitely not doing well at the box office. And uh, apparently their fan base is pretty strong, but I'm guessing there's not many of them. Yeah, Um, I think the the biggest selling point that this movie had was that uh, the director was the same director who made The Fifth Element. Lilu Dallas Multipass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Uh, So anyway, this movie is not doing well. We're going to see it at some point in the near future, even though we don't want to. Uh, But first, we're trying to get ourselves a little familiar with the comic book source material. So we're going to pick up a few volumes if we can find them and track them down. Yeah. Give those a read before we go into a theater and check it out. So uh, viewers, spend your money on this ticket at your own peril, at least until we can tell you not to do so. But make your own decision. We'll see how it does in the end, but it does not look encouraging. No, it does not. Our final piece of news. The Superman stash from hell. (laughs) The stash of steel. Now, for those not aware, uh, Justice League has needed some reshoots. And uh, because of some issues uh, Director Snyder is dealing with, uh, Joss Whedon has come in to do the reshoots. However, this has caused some problems for some of the actors that did not anticipate reshoots, specifically Henry Cavill that uh, plays the role of Superman. No secret, he's going to be in the movie. Um, But there's a problem. The movie Henry Cavill is currently filming, uh, the new Mission Impossible movie, he is sporting a very trendy, bushy mustache. However, it is not a wig. It is all natural. And the Mission Impossible Impossible Studios do not want to allow him to shave it or wear a wig. So, he must go to these reshoots for Justice League sporting a mustache and hopefully a mullet. (laughs) Because that's what we all want. (laughs) The return of Superman and his full mullet glory. Sporting a mustache. Uh, I'm sorry. I just imagine like the most redneck Superman you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Carrying a 40 <laughs> and a white beater. 40 wife beater that for some reason still has the uh, symbol of the house of L on it. Um, Etched in the knitting. <laughs> it's a beer stain. <laughs> but uh, the reason this is news is because... Just to add to the many digital issues with this Justice League movie, uh, they are having a lot of trouble editing out this mustache. Apparently, it is a daunting task for this digital studio, which I have never had confidence in in the first place based on how (laughs) Cyborg looks. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And how BBS often looked. The, The thing that really perplexes me about this is that they know what his face looks like. They've had to digitally render his face before in Man of Steel. Yeah. I don't and know. BBS. Yeah. I, I don't know why they can't just maybe take that 3D model and make it move, or, or at least make it move 
somewhat believably, I guess. Now, to be fair, this seems extremely petty of the production staff for uh, Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah. I see no reason why you couldn't just have a mustache merkin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there are ways of making a mustache look believable on a person. They they do it all the time. And that would be far cheaper than yeah. <laughs> what WB has to pay to have these digital reshoots. Right. Man, and that and again, that's gonna be another digital thing that could potentially just look terrible on the screen. <laughs> so they have their work cut out for them. You know, to this, be sure. this isn't that Disney, you know, youth animation technology they're using. This is WB Cover everything in shadows to hide the <laughs> the flaws <laughs> and hope for the best. Right. Marvel's able to make a 60-something-year-old Michael Douglas look like a 50-something-year-old Michael Douglas. Man, that's a feat. Yeah. <laughs> They're able to make... Kurt a, Russell. Kurt Russell. a Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> They're able to make him look really, really surprisingly young. Mm-hmm. DC, I do not have faith in them on this. To take out a mustache. It's probably it, not. They they need all the time they can get to make Cyborg look palatable. Yeah. I I'm, I can't imagine having this mustache problem driving back even more production time on reshoots nonetheless. This movie is due in November. Yeah. We have three months left. <laughs> and they are still doing this. Yeah. They, they are still, still reshooting. They are still digitally changing things. They they still have to... And I hope that they're doing this. I'm still what hoping that they're wreck, man. polishing Cyborg. I hope this movie's good. Because it's going to crush my soul. <sighs> after Wonder Woman gave me so much hope. <laughs> And Aquaman looks cool. Yeah, Flash. The, I'm I'm growing on Flash more the more I see of him. Even though his costume's a little he, he, goofy, he, I, I like the TV costume more than <laughs> I like the movie costume look. But I don't know. Maybe he, I'll like it more in the movie. Yeah, they, they'll have to explain the costume. But uh, Cyborg just looks so bad. That co- that yeah. digital animated costume. Ugh. Yeah, uh, my hope is that they have a lot of Steppenwolf. That that is my greatest hope that Steppenwolf, and he's be- a competent villain. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope he's not just walking around throwing axes. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, from from what it looks like, he's less interested in hurting the Justice League and more just into breaking the Earth itself. So, because you know, reasons. Right, is added to the collection. Says. Not Doomsday. Doomsday, the, that's the thing that killed him Dark last side. time. Dark side. Dark side. Which I have to say it that way every time I see his name. Thanos Sr. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to get my gauntlet, Dad. <laughs> I do not need a gauntlet with my Obega beans. In my- <laughs> One day I will have the anti-life equation. <laughs> And dun, then, dun. then I will end the unit. Superman, what are you doing? <laughs> no, Super, stop that. Superman, nope, stop. Stop it. Stop Superman! It. <laughs> <laughs> you I, know, Darkseid <laughs> would be very successful if he didn't come to Earth ever. <laughs> he, he could achieve all his goals if he never just went to Earth. If he just went and got the equation and did what he wanted. Oh, yeah. But he's always got to go, like, 
to Superman and start poking him with a stick, <laughs> telling him all his plans, you know? <laughs> this is my plan, Superman, that you totally won't be able to stop. Superman, what are you doing? <laughs> at least, at least Thanos stop. is fighting, like, celestial beini- beings, you know? Oh, yeah. Darkseid just goes to Earth <laughs> to fight this one specific guy for no reason. <laughs> it, 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 there's always something with Earth, which, you know, I get it. <laughs> I do. We have to be able to relate to this story somehow. Yeah. But but Superman, (laughs) you're actively poking a planet that has Superman on it. Maybe we should just tell Superman to go to Mars or something. (laughs) Right. Maybe we could have told his people to terraform that planet. (laughs) Wouldn't that be easier? (laughs) It's like, it's right over there, guys. It's literally right over there. (laughs) <laughs> and with the lighter gravity you can jump even higher yeah and still have yellow sun yeah you'd just be so better win-win. on that planet <laughs> you might have an issue with water you can uh with terraforming terraforming might help with that i think i mean this planet didn't look all that great to begin with so uh, yeah it, it, here's the thing that always tripped me out with superman and his kryptonian nefarious you know kind of related people since in this world they're all like coming from the same sets of dna weirdly yeah (laughs) why do they decide to turn this somewhat lush some like very very aqua-filled planet (laughs) into their shitty looking like it's literally all covered in bone and the remains of the dead type planet how about some nice steel spires and a lot of dirt (laughs) that's my kind of planet (laughs) why did you just put your dna in in this planet like without (laughs) like why would you actively make a, a planet that you Where want you to occupy. Have, that you want to occupy that actually gives you powers on its own <laughs> into your shitty planet that doesn't give you powers. And will probably all. self-destruct at some point. Right. Because fuck your planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Oh. With that, my friends. Yep. We end the news. So, Chris. What books are we hitting up this week? Well, Emery, I thought you'd never ask. Here, coming to our local comic book shops, we have plenty of good new books for you. From Dynamite Entertainment, we have... Kiss number 10, (laughs) and a whole (laughs) lot of variant covers that we don't care about. So if you like variant covers, go to Dynamite. Yeah, that's apparently all they've got. (laughs) From Marvel Comics, (laughs) we have all new Guardians of the Galaxy number 7. We have Avengers number 10. We have Black Bolt number 4. Oh, Black Bolt. They're, They're really pushing that one with the show coming out. I think that show's going to be terrible. I don't know. <laughs> That's just my instinct. We'll see, though. Maybe it'll be great. I'll be wrong. Let's hope. They got the guy from Game of Thrones and a show I really liked, Misfits, which is on Hulu. Oh, a yeah. A British show about these kids that are on uh, community service, essentially. 
yeah is struck by some weird lightning like a bunch of other people and get superpowers and then they're just basically shitheads <laughs> and do a bunch of stupid stuff with it what real people would do with powers pretty much <laughs> uh next up we have champions number 11 we have generations banner hulk and totally awesome hulk number one we have hawkeye number nine we have iron fist number six we have jessica jones number 11 really pushing the netflix stuff this week we have marvel universe avengers ultron revolution number 12 could we get a longer title <laughs> we have Nick Fury, number five. We have Spider-Man, number 19. We have Spider-Man Deadpool, number 20. We have Star Wars, Darth Vader, number four. We have Star Wars Rogue One, number five. The Unstoppable Wasp, number eight. Thor Ragnarok Prelude, number three, for the upcoming movie. And X-Men Gold, number nine. Your boys. <laughs> Your boy. <laughs> from idw publishing we have archangel number five we have hasbro heroes sourcebook number two because that's what we all need yeah more hasbro <laughs> a toy advertisement <laughs> and we have the x-files origins two dog days of summer number two because we can't have enough twos <laughs> DC Comics, we have Bane Conquest number four. We have Batman number 28. We have Cyborg number 15. We have DC Comics Bombshells number 32. We have Deathstroke number 22. We have Green Arrow number 28. We have Green Lanterns number 28. We have Injustice 2 number 7. We have Justice League number 26. We have New Gods Special number 1. We have Nightwing getting fucked up on the cover like he always is because DC wants to murder Dick Grayson. <laughs> Nightwing number 26. I swear, every week he's just getting fucked up by somebody. Yeah, what is the deal with that? This one, we got Huntress, it looks like, shooting a bunch of arrows into his chest. Why? Quit trying to kill Dick Grayson. Because we're trying to push Damien. John, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Jeff Jeff needs to knock it off. <laughs> Let Nightwing pee. He's great. <laughs> Next up, we have Superman number 28. And that wraps up our DC books. Uh, from Titan Books. I'm going to include Titan now because I like their Assassin's Creed comics. Ooh. From Titan Books, we have Assassin's Creed number 6. And... Variants. So that was easy. From Image <laughs> Comics, I like what you do. We have East of West, number 34. Oh, we have nice. Extremity, number 6. Sorry. We... I was saying, oh, nice. Yeah. From, uh, we got Hadrian's Wall, number 8. We have Rocket Girl, number 8. We have Samaritan Veritas, number 3. We have Sex Criminals, number 20, which is... An hilarious comic. Uh, I haven't. I think I stopped around like issue twelve, and I think it started getting a little bit more dark and serious. But those first few issues were pretty hilarious. <laughs> uh, next we have Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, number twenty six, and finally we have The Walking Dead, number one seventy. 
which uh, has been rumored to be coming to an end around number 200. Mm. Much like another beloved comic from Image. (laughs) (laughs) From Boom Studios, we have Giant Days number 29. Uh, We have Adventure Time regular show number one. We have... The Armory Wars, or Amory Wars. Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, number 5. Because, again, we couldn't have a more complicated, <laughs> mundane title <laughs> to alienate our potential customers. Yeah. And we have The Woods, number 34, which kind of looks pretty cool. Might check it out. Hmm. And from Dark Horse, they have Predators, Hunters, number 4. And I think that pretty much wraps up. Oh, nope. From Vertigo, we have Ever After, From the Pages of Fables, number 12. Savage Things, number 6. Shade, The Changing Girl, number 11, which is always pretty good. And that will wrap up our comic book releases for the week. Uh, If you want to check out these lists, you can go to freshcomics.us. That's who we use. We'd like to make our own source, but uh, we won't have a website for another week or two. While well, we wait for our URL to get re-released. So it's coming soon. <laughs> and that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Now it's time to hand out the prestigious, nay, life-changing, award of cover of the week and variant cover of the week. As chosen by your Hit the Books podcast hosts. Oh yeah, what do we got? So... For our regular cover of the week, we give a shout out to David Mack for his artwork on Jessica Jones number 11. And uh, if you're watching our YouTube uh, channel, you can see the image right there. It's just really cool looking kind of watercolor style. It's got a classic uh, alias comics, or not alias comics, but the alias investigations feel. Sure. It it reminds me a lot of the Sandman comics, just that kind of color and art style. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, definitely check that out. And no, it says, nope, nope. It says yourself. I thought that said Yusef. So uh, definitely pick that one up and uh, add it to your wall, frame it, bag and board it, show it off. And our variant cover of the week. Variant cover of the week. Uh, What do we got here? Justice League number 26, illustrated by Yannick Paquette. It might be Paquette. It might be Paquetti. Depends on how uh, Italian you consider yourself. I go with Paquette. (laughs) Yeah. We'll go French with it. Hmm. But it's a pretty cool art style. It kind of has that kind of red sun kind of vibe to it. Although I don't think that's what they were intending. That's certainly how it kind of hits me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have to say, like, I really enjoy that vibe. I yeah. really enjoy that story, honestly. Yeah. It's it's great. And it, it kind of looks like the old, like, circus posters almost. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. As a Wonder Woman standing up with her hands on her fists on her hip with uh, Batman and Superman to her left and right. And then uh, the other Justice League members on the bottom. It's pretty cool. And the longer you look at it, the more stuff you see in the background there. It's pretty neat. It's a really clever design. So shout out to Yannick Paquette 
for your variant cover of the week. And for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each discuss a topic of our choosing about the world of comics. Emery, what is your topic? My topic this week is going to be, honestly, somewhat controversial. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Get ready for the comment section. Yep. So as you know, I am one for reading X-Men comics. You don't say. Oh, no, I do say. (laughs) I do say quite often. Um, Along with that, there is something that I've noticed, actually, not just in this comic, but uh, there is, I I don't want to say it's a trend, Uh but it seems like it might have the lookings of a trend. A good Uh, trend? Uh, I'll let you be the judge of that. Oh, saucy. So, uh, one of the things that I've noticed in X-Men Gold, in particular, is there's a gender-bending slash role reversal that I have specifically noticed in the most recent issue of X-Men Gold. How so? Uh, well, uh, from what I have seen, like, throughout that issue, and the more I look at that, the more I look at the the seven issues preceding it, um, they've definitely made Shadowcat, who is now the leader of the X-Men, to be noticeably more masculine in appearance and... Just basically the stances that she has, like, physically, whenever they draw her as a character. Uh, who, if I'm not mistaken, the the penciler for the so series... So they just kind of draw her more physically imposing? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. Yeah, they, they've made her... Like, to an unrealistic extent? Or just in a kind of obvious, but fleeting uh, I, extent? I think they've just made it a bit more obvious what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And... Up to a point, it makes sense. She's an X-Man. She has had ninja... She's one of the X-Mans. Yeah. She's one of the X-Mans. And she's had ninja training. She's had danger room training. She's been a superhero for a long time. So, clearly, she should be, like, kind of ripped, right? She should be uh, somewhat muscular, right? I can see that. Yeah. It makes sense that they would do that with that character. In a lot of ways, I'm kind of surprised it took them this long. But one of the things that made that stand out more was what they've been doing with specifically characters like uh, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and in one or two ways, Wolverine. Uh, In the comic X-Men Gold so far, they've basically set up situations where all of the characters get their their time to shine, but for some reason recently, there have been characters who have been basically rendered seemingly useless. Specifically, there's a a panel in the, the newest one where they show Colossus 
practically 400 pounds of Russian manly muscle to be someone who is in need of rescuing, specifically by Shadow Cat, the from, leader. From what? Uh, well, there's a situation going on. I don't want to spoil anything for those of you who are reading it, but there's a, a situation that has seemingly escalated with a new Brotherhood of Mutants, a new, I think it's, uh, his name's Executioner, a guy who's basically trying to target and take out mutants with guns. Um, I think there's like maybe a couple of other things that they're dealing with, but I think in that issue specifically, uh, Colossus was being held captive along with I think Nightcrawler was there. I'd have to go back and read it again. Okay. But, um, so yeah. w- what in particular makes this an issue for you? Because superheroes save each other all the time. That's true. Uh, the superheroes is it saving just each the other. Way it happens. That's kind of silly, or it is. It, it's the way that it happens. Uh, the thing with Colossus needing to be rescued by Kitty Pride. Like, I have no problem with a woman rescuing a man. But a woman who's had the same training as that man that he's going in to rescue, for some reason, she, in this issue, has been made to look like the one who's having to do everything while a bunch of men, men who have regularly themselves gotten themselves out of these situations before... It's being like rendered useless. Hmm. It it's really weird. Uh also I'm not sure whether or not this might be something that I'm like looking for or picking out, but uh I think there are some places where um it just seems like Shadow Cat is being drawn in a very masculine way. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something that uh, the artist, I think is uh, Arden Siaf. So, is... so, sorry, not to cut you off. Oh, yeah. Uh, just to get to the heart of the issue, you're kind of implying that you think that Marvel, you know, with probably good reason for suspecting this, is more or less pushing, you know, this kind of yeah it, agenda it, it... down your throat that... Hey, look what we're doing. Why don't you pat us on the back? We're making the woman do the male role and rescuing the worthless, helpless male, <laughs> you know, damsel in distress, essentially. Right. So that's that's what you're reading into it. Yeah. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. But uh, I... I've... Do you think this is just another way of, you know, pat us on the back. We're doing what you like. <laughs> Or do you uh, think there's actual story context for it? Um, honestly, it comes off as a way of like patting themselves on the back for looking progressive. Um, and I have no context for this. So yeah, I haven't read it, it. it. There are honestly instances and other issues of comics that Marvel's been putting out where mm-hmm. and. I haven't really noticed this until, like, I took a look back at it. Um, I think now, more than ever, Marvel has... 
I hate to say it, but they've been basically forcing diversity into their comics, which I would understand if these were original characters. Mm-hmm. As we often harp on. Uh, yeah, we harp on that a lot. There's nothing wrong with diversity it, and, you it, know, genders or races or religions or what, whatever. Right. Uh, it, but like, you I, should do it with original characters, not substitute existing characters and right. borrow and, their mantle in order to push an agenda. Right. Uh, instead of doing the work to create interesting new comic characters that people can look up to. Yeah, I think the, the biggest tragedy has been what they did to X-23, honestly. What did they do to her? Uh, they turned her into Wolverine and let, instead oh, of standing... made her all new Wolverine? Yeah, instead of letting her stand on her own. And then made Lady Thor, even though we already have a Lady Thor? Uh, yeah. <laughs> made uh, Falcon Captain America, because we need... Because we need an, an, diversity, yeah, but not in an original way, in a way that rips off the <laughs> right non-diverse uh, archetype. Like I have no problem with diversity. I have a problem with poorly written diversity. Mm-hmm. That that is, I think, my biggest issue. And no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended yet. Uh, <laughs> I think the the thing that I'm seeing with this is like there's an agenda that I think might be being forced and I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it as I do if these comics were just written well. Yeah. I have no problem with any of the f- many now female versions of these pre-established male characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like say Colossus was getting attacked by Magneto Right. Glasses made out of metal. Yeah. You know? it, it would make sense for Shadowcat to go in and, you know, put her hand straight mm-hmm. into Magneto's head. But uh, from what I'm gathering, <laughs> it's more of a he could easily get out of this situation by himself. Right. <laughs> but because we want to show this empowered female character in this way in order to get some pats on the back from our fan dinner, fans and community on the internet, we're going to make Colossus a useless idiot and... Right. It, like, there are plenty of ways that you could be showcasing. At, and she's basically the female version of Vision, but without, mm-hmm. like, the head beam. Yeah, I mean, there's. there. I mean, there's certainly a lot of this in comics and art culture in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's no secret that most art culture, whether it's literature, whether it's, you know, painting, whether it's comic books, music. It tends to lean towards a more progressive stance, not always because they support that progressive stance or because they feel very uh, strong about that progressive stance, but because they kind of want the pats on the back. They want the positive approval that's going to boost their comic sales and have people pay more attention to them when they're doing the right thing and people won't boycott them when they do something that could be be perceived as a microaggression or something like that, you know? Right. So uh, I'm sure this is just another one of many moves that have been made by all the, particularly the big comic companies, uh, DC and Marvel and their extended branches in order to uh, make sure that it don't, they don't get some kind of pot and negative press in, on Reddit or something, you know, and right. that they get, you know, pat on the back 
every time they release a comic where they do something like this. And I have no context for this. Uh, playing devil's advocate, you know, you could be reading way too much into it just because of your impressions of Marvel at this time with right. comics like America, for example. Right. It, it's entirely possible that I'm just, I'm reading it wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think Marvel at this time has kind of earned that kind of cynical evaluation. Yeah. Um, because they have been lazy with their character creation. They have been lazy with their addressing of introducing new diverse characters and you know they've been lazy with just writing these characters in general and specifically with the um the lack of struggle for sure and dc is in the past not too much presently but in the past has been very guilty of this as well like i still remember when uh they had uh, it was i don't think it was an elseworlds comic but it was it was something in a different universe yeah but they didn't mention that in the press <laughs> releases. But basically, they made, uh, I believe, Kyle Rayner, an alternate version of Kyle Rayner, homosexual, and have a boyfriend. Like, the first page you see of him out of uniform, he's making out with his husband, I think, on a train or something. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the way DC, like, made sure it got published everywhere, <laughs> with particularly without mentioning that this is an alternate universe, that this is not the mainstream uh, <laughs> continuum. Uh, right. And just relentlessly patted themselves on the back for creating the first homosexual, you know, Green Lantern. Like, no, you didn't. You created an alternate form of an existing Green Lantern so that you could get approval and applause from your internet SJW community, you know? Right. And wait, don't they have uh, Alan Scott? Oh, maybe that was, maybe it was an uh, alternate form of Alan Scott. Maybe. Maybe. Because he was blonde. I remember that. So maybe, oh, maybe, yeah, that's Alan Scott. But it was an alternate universe version of him. And he right. was young. He wasn't the old, you know, 50s <laughs> Alan Scott. He was like a young Green young, Lantern from an alternate universe. Young, new gay. Yeah, I wish I could remember what it was called. It was it was a good comic series, don't get me wrong, but just the way DC went about it, you know, <laughs> there was good writing in the story. It wasn't like they were being lazy, but they were exploiting a, a kind of movement that was going on with the gay marriage movement that was being forced into the Supreme Court at the time. Yeah. You know, which is awesome. You know, it's great that uh, homosexuals can get married and bisexual people can get married without <laughs> having yeah. to worry about discrimination and things like that. Actually, the uh, there was a, a line of X-Men comics that actually handled celebrating that as a new thing very well. Um, there's a, a long-standing homosexual X-Men slash Alpha Flight member called North Star, mm-hmm. who uh, this was... Uh, years ago they had like basically around the time when gay marriage was finally officially like a a right like people can get married whether or not they're gay or straight now yeah um they had basically kind of subtly worked in like oh in the background like uh, north star's been dating this guy for a while Mm -hmm. and they end up finally being able to get married and there there's a wedding Mm-hmm. Like, he literally just has a wedding. That's cool. Yeah. And it was like, they just, they subtly worked that in, mm-hmm. and that was fine. It was like, yeah, we can do that now. That, that's great. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But when you, like, 
do something like what they did with Alan Scott and just like mm-hmm. Elseworlds kind of he's he's gay now and look at him yeah celebrate it, this this character that we changed yeah. for you and it just came off so much as just a plea for attention you know yeah i mean it was on cnn and like just all these like mainstream news stations like <laughs> as if it mattered you know <laughs> and suddenly their comics had a, more attention and suddenly you know people were like well, somebody on Fox News that said said this is offensive, so I better go buy it and support it. It was <laughs> it was such a blatant appeal to sell more comics and get some pats on the backs from, you know, their community, you know. Yeah. I highly doubt the average Fox watcher, you know, Fox <laughs> News network, cable network watcher is going to the comic book store and purchasing these comics every week you know yeah god it just uh, maybe it, i'm making an assumption but uh, <laughs> that's usually not the uh market <laughs> right for uh artistic endeavors usually yeah it's like i i have no problem with again homosexual characters trans characters anything like that mm-hmm. just as long as they're written well and that this isn't a character that you're changing to that for the sake of getting more views because mm-hmm. it's like it, it's you're using it for attention as opposed to just making that a thing like um, DC did that with uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Marvel did that with Iceman. Yeah, they did that pretty recently, right? Yeah, but that's the official universe, right? Yeah, they they made that official like <laughs> and the way that they did that was pretty ham fisted. They they used the um Iceman from the sixties that was pulled to the current day to basically have it revealed to uh Jean Grey, who's haphazardly reading her mind, mm. that's like, Oh, he's actually gay. Like he's actually been gay this whole time. Yeah. And now is this the Iceman from X Men Blue? Yes. So the original five X Men. Yes. Cool. And uh, what they've done with that is, before they split them off into blue and gold, he was basically outed by Jean Grey on accident, and now he's basically having to deal with this new part of his identity that he hasn't fully accepted yet. Yeah. And which, I mean, is, which is cool because yeah. it's an X Men comic, especially you know. Yeah, I mean, not it, only does he have to deal with being a mutant, now he has to deal with people knowing that he's homosexual and yeah. any kind of stigmas that might raise with his friends and family and anybody else. Right, the stigmas that he himself is having to deal with, like personally, like that he's applied to himself. Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it, it's an interesting way to do it, but I honestly, I just wish they had done that with again. We're going to harp on this every time. A new character. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's, I don't know why people are, uh, specifically creators, are so scared to just tackle new characters, you know? Right. Um, but and, and sometimes this backfires on them. Uh, one specific example I thought of and looked up to make sure I wasn't remembering it wrong was uh, when they re- rebooted Batgirl and they kind of gave her a new design and... She moved to the suburbs for reasons. 
to fight crime in the suburbs because you know the suburbs are just raging with crime <laughs> but she's got this new you know bright purple outfit that's more kind of kid friendly and kind of fun and i didn't like it because there's some issues in the first issue with how they kind of handle her new persona yeah whereas before she was very mature very uh skilled very tactical very uh talented you know in martial arts and just she was just an awesome character to read like i loved that run up until they did the whole reboot and i did like the artwork like i bought the variant cover for that first issue of the reboot because i thought it was cool looking you know but then i read it and it just they took so much depth away from her and then a few issues later i think again trying to kind of fish for that new pat on the back you know this is going to make headlines and sell this comic yeah they introduced a transgender character but where they made their misstep uh is they made this transgender character a villain and apparently the only way you're allowed to introduce diversity is in a positive light because apparently nobody can be anything but white <laughs> if you are a villain. <laughs> white and male. So occasionally female, you get away with it. Yeah. But apparently if you know you can have transgender characters and get pats on the back for it, but they can't be anything other than a hero and a role model. So we have <sighs> this uh transgender character who is being who is uh flagged as an imposter of Batgirl and going around basically doing crimes dressed as like a glitter covered Batgirl. Again, you can see you can see the threads here where they thought they were going to get these great headlines for this cool stylish transgender character. Yeah. But they forgot that hey, if you make them a bad role model, uh the community is not going to be so happy. Uh, just to look it up real fast, this character's yeah. name is Dagger Type, and I I remember seeing this cover, you know, and it's just kind of like this, you know, a, a someone looking like Batgirl like this in like a gold glitter outfit, you know. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, I can kind of see where they're going with that one. And just kind of <laughs> passed it by. But uh, then it, then it was all over the news initially, you know, before <laughs> it was released. All over the news, not not only just comic book sites and like IGNs and that sort of thing, but you know, li- big time news channels. Uh, you know, DC about to introduce a, a new transgender character in the superhero world. Blah blah blah. Then the day it came out and people read it, <laughs> people were pissed and just <laughs> all over the internet, all over news ne- networks, just complaining and raging because this transgender character was kind of a stereotype and was a villain not a role model not a glowing super heroic super (laughs) successful role model that sees no opposition you know right so there every once in a while these companies do this to the point where it kind of blows up in their face and (laughs) i think i think after that dc really learned their lesson that hey we should probably tone this stuff down because after that happened and after that they had that huge blowback with that transgender villain yeah uh which they are perfectly entitled to do you know it's it's their company if it's their creative right if if that makes sense for their story let them write a transgender villain you can have transgender heroes just as much as you can have a transgender villain you know i think i kind of see where they were going with that just like in the creative sense yeah it's like everything that's good about batman is basically centered in their villains yeah 
So why not make a really memorable character who's a villain for Batgirl? Yeah, I can see villain for Batgirl, transgender. Like this will be like this new, exciting, interesting character. Like people Mm -hmm. love the Joker, Harley Quinn, Mm -hmm. Riddler, not so much. Yeah, Uh, I love Riddler. I don't. I don't care what people think. Yeah, I I mean, he's He's probably my my second favorite. Yeah, yeah, he's up Uh, there. But I could see where they were going with that. But uh, honestly, I kind of want to read myself to see what the big deal is. Yeah, I, I think I went back and read it after the controversy. And I mean, it was kind of a stereotype. It was kind of silly because it was in the suburbs and they're committing these <laughs> very minor crimes, you know, <laughs> and, while dressed as a golden glitter <laughs> bat girl, you know. But it, it was just... It was just so ridiculous on all sides, you know. DC very obviously trying to force this into their narrative to maybe, you're right, maybe they were just trying to create a memorable, iconic villain with a new kind of style and introducing a new type of character. Right. But they couldn't have predicted that, you know, the (laughs) transgender community and people that support the transgender community, like ourselves, were were going to blow up about it because they made it a villain with a few stereotypes and a little, like, over-the-top, you know? Yeah. And... You know, everybody in that circle just, you know, suffered. The the people that complained about it were just kind of hypocritical because they're demanding these, you know, diverse new characters like we were saying. Yeah. But then when it's a villain, they can't take it, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not acceptable unless they're a perfect, pristine, you know, uh, role model for all the boys and girls to aspire to, you know. And I yeah. I get the argument that, you know, when homosexuals and, you know, transgender people are represented, especially in older media, you know, pre-2000 media, they're usually portrayed in a kind of demeaning and maybe not villainous, but, you know, certainly a negative a negative fashion. Yeah. yeah. So I can see where they're going with that, you know. So the, there is some hypocrisy there, but I can totally sympathize with what they're saying. But on DC's end, they had nothing to work with. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they tried, but they did exactly what we're saying you should not do, you know? Yeah. Not only did they adapt an established character and make <laughs> it into a new character that was diverse, yeah. but they did it in a villainous fashion that people don't want to represent in a way that's a little bit offensive, you know, just right. because of the stereotypes it portrays and it... It it just blew up in their face, and ever since that moment, I have not read a single DC comic, and I, I read a lot of DC comics. <laughs> I have not read a single DC comic that gave me that impression. Yeah. But it seems like Marvel hasn't had that kind of blow up in your face moment yet. Not yet. <laughs> I think it might be coming soon yeah so i mean it only takes one time you know and then you you see your comic sales drop as people you know yeah get angry and like they did they're gonna stop buying if like things like this keep happening Mm -hmm. so uh did you have anything else to add to that topic um apart from my usual plug make original interesting characters please uh, please um i think the diversity is great but it's better when they're original yeah um i think my my biggest thing on that whole thing is just 
make sure the writing makes sense. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's all I want yeah. is for the writing to make sense. Yeah, everybody wants to be patted on the back a little bit. I get it. You know, <laughs> if you think you're going to make this big moving statement, fine. That, you know, go for it. But do it in a tactful, mature way. Yeah. It's <laughs> you know? like tactful, you mature. Don't, you don't need to send press releases before the book's even out. Right. Advertising that you're doing this great thing that nobody's done yet, you know? Right. Just... I, I just want a good story. Yeah, for that, sure. That's all I want. But yeah, that that's all I got. <laughs> <sighs> well, I think it's time to introduce my topic. Mine will be a little bit more uh, fun and a little less stressful, hopefully. Yay! What do we got? So, uh, I thought after seeing Spider-Man Homecoming... And still having all these Marvel movies fresh in our mind for the Marvel Universe. Why don't we name our top five and bottom five Marvel Universe movies for each of us? Ooh. So I'll go first with my bottom five. All right. You might you might understand what's coming based on the conversations we usually have during these movies. Oh, yeah. At the very, very bottom of the list, for me, is most likely... Oh, man, it's hard. Iron Man 3. Man. And I I know you disagree with this, but that entire third act and the inconsistency that movie has with the rest of the movies in the universe caused me so much grief. It's, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is always great, you know, and I liked what they did with the kind of PTSD thing that... But then they just kind of wash it over and nobody remembers it. And then, right. Uh, was it Ben Kingsley that uh, played the faux y- Mandarin? Yes. Like, I love Ben Kingsley. And, like, I loved how in the advertising they didn't spoil the twist. And then you went in there, you know, fully expecting Ben Kingsley to uh, just be the Mandarin. Be the Mandarin, which is ironic because people were so angry about him <laughs> being the Mandarin. And then it turned out to be an even whiter guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so stupid. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, that that makes me chuckle every time. Not only do we have a, a white Asian one or ancient one, but we also <laughs> is apparently uh, versed in these ancient Eastern Asian <laughs> traditions. <laughs> but we also have the faux <laughs> Ben Kingsley Mandarin replaced yeah. by the corporate rich white oh. dude Mandarin. <laughs> It hurts. <laughs> but that movie just has so many problems. And Pepper, like Pepper Potts was terrible in that movie. And <laughs> hearing the stories about how much money she was demanding after that, it was just, it was so ridiculous. Uh, uh, it, yeah, uh, and there is something we story. must discuss in their Spider-Man review relating to this. <laughs> oh, yes, we will. But uh, oh. Iron Man 3, for me, was just, it was too much. And it... Everything that they tried to do with that movie got completely forgotten about in Civil War. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Civil War and all the following movies. Yeah. For example, at the end of the movie, uh, I, uh, spoilers for a five-year-old movie or whatever, uh, Iron Man, uh, based on his experience, destroys all his robots, uh, decides it's too dangerous to have all these weapons that can be basically hijacked uh much like they were in iron man 2 <laughs> right this seems to be a consistent pattern <laughs> uh and he gets the shrapnel removed from his chest so he can take out the little generator 
uh, and says he's retiring more or less because he, you know, he can't handle it anymore. He needs to take a break, whatever. And then immediately <laughs> after they say that on the screen, Iron Man will return. <laughs> you, you just contradicted everything you just did and said. And then sure as fuck. He has those fucking robots again. <laughs> he has his little robot army deploying and all the movies after that. Like he never dismantled them. The funniest thing about that movie, apart from it being Shane Black's uh, another version of Lethal Weapon 2, um, <laughs> at the, the end credits, like all the way after the end credits, there's a scene that basically makes that entire movie a story that Iron Man made up while talking to the Hulk on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so ridiculous, you know? (laughs) So, like, all of that could just have been bullshit. Yeah, and that's a bummer, because I love Iron Man in most of the movies. I loved Iron Man 1 is going to be on my top five list. Spoiler warning. Oh, yeah, easily. But 3 is just so bad and inconsistent <laughs> and long, too. That movie just never ended. It just kept going, man. That was a long movie. That, that movie looked like it had several endings that happened just in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. My second worst movie, Iron Man 2. No big surprise there. I think yeah. most, most most people would probably put that as the worst one of the DCU. Uh, it, or, uh, excuse me, MCU. Marvel U. Yeah, the- uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. But it was just so goofy. I don't know. And I really... I wish they would have kept Terrence Howard. Because he looked like a an imposing military guy. Who, yeah. Who's done a push-up in his life. <laughs> you know? Uh, who's the guy they replaced him with? I always forget his name. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Thank you. Who? Don Cheadle. Yeah. He's a fine actor, but he does not look like a military officer. I have been in the military, and even <laughs> the ones that are out of shape are usually fat. <laughs> they don't look like they've been starved their entire life, you know? They look like they've done a pull-up or a push-up once or twice in their life, you know? Right. Uh, Don Cheadle does not fit the archetype. He doesn't carry himself like the archetype. He doesn't speak like a military officer, you know? Nothing he does is reminiscent of an Air Force officer, a senior Air Force officer at that, you know? He seems just like a civilian who just happens to have been an Air Force officer at one point. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the backstory. Maybe Terrence Howard, supposedly he was demanding too much money, but seeing how much the others get paid and what happened in Spider-Man Homecoming, (laughs) I'm guessing there must have been more to the story. Maybe he was, you know... There usually is... He was terrible, you know, on set or something. Who knows? Yeah. But I think they could have cast somebody other than Don Cheadle to play that role. Don Cheadle could have played anything else, really. You know? Don Cheadle could have been Black Panther, for all I care. Yeah. Because Black Panther is a politician at heart, you know? Yeah. The, I think the, the thing with him being in that movie is he knows how to deliver a line. Yeah. Like, he, he knows how to do that. He's set, he's set there to do punchlines, more or less, you know? Yes. And in my opinion, not it's not in his character at all. He's no. supposed to be kind of a more stern military type of character, you know? Yeah, which we got with Terrence, with Terrence Howard. Howard. Terrence Howard did a great job, you know? Yeah, I really did love him as you know, Rody War Machine. You know, yeah, (sighs) the things that could have been. That makes me sad. Don Cheadle again, nothing against him. Great actor, wonderful actor, but just not the right role. 
<laughs> and not the he doesn't act it uh, yeah true, true to the character or even the previous incarnation of the character at all you know yeah he he's not nearly as as you were saying stern so that, or like serious yeah and that I, that seems like a small thing but it alienated me so much when i watched that movie and pulled me right out of the movie and then you had the other problems where the villain was kind of you know silly over the top <laughs> corporate corruption type of guy and uh uh i will give uh <laughs> i i will give uh what's his name uh the octopus guy what's his name the, the whips. Oh, Whiplash. Whiplash. I always forget his name. Yeah, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke did a great job as Whiplash. I liked him. It kind of sucks that he kind of went out like a bitch. You know? <laughs> he deserved more than that. He had the cool scene during the racing part. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I was like, as much as I don't like that movie, that scene is my favorite, like one of my favorite Iron Man things, hands down. Yeah. And that that was an awesome scene, which is why I think I pushed it above Iron Man three because yeah. there were scenes in that movie where I was like, "Oh, that was cool," you know, yeah. and it it didn't feel long, whereas <laughs> Iron Man three just felt like it was like, like it three days long, yeah. you know. So I give that second to last spot to Iron Man two. Now Iron Man two, I would probably have on in the background, you know, while I'm doing dishes or something if it's on TNT or something, you know. <laughs> Iron and Man it's 3, on TNT. Iron Man 3, I'm shutting that TV off. <laughs> you know? So that that gives you my perception uh, of the difference. Yeah. Uh, my third worst Marvel movie, and this might come as a surprise to a lot of people, but I really think they did a disjustice to the first of these movies. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Ooh, please explain that there, one. There are so many things that just pulled me out of that movie. There were some kind of cool jokes. And again, it's a Marvel movie. So even though it's bad for a Marvel movie, in my opinion, it's not bad. <laughs> I would still watch it again if it was on TV or something. Yeah. Right. Probably it, wouldn't it, buy it. Yeah. It's entertaining. It's It has entertaining parts, I would say, yeah. Uh, yeah. The ending is cool. I like the ending. Um uh, but the middle is just sloppy and messy, and it's not really a guardian story. It's more like a, you know, a kind of. It's a story about daddy the son yeah. issue story. Yeah, it's with it's, sprinklings of the guardians. Guardians in it. in it, yeah, makes sense. And the soundtrack was terrible. <laughs> especially when they used a good song in their advertising and didn't include it in the movie, as we address in our review. Yes. Uh, it's pretty fresh, so we I won't bring up too many spoilers or anything. Go watch a review or go see the movie. You know, it's still worth seeing in theaters. Again, Marvel Universe, so it's still okay. Yeah. But this movie has so many forced jokes that just did not land for me that were just, like, making me cringe, like, through half of the movie. The, the run-on gags. It felt like it was really long to me. I don't know about you, but it felt like it was, like, 30 minutes too long. Uh I, I personally was, didn't get that feeling. There was a lot of... I know you liked it a little more than I did. Yeah. Uh, there were scenes where I just like couldn't help but inappropriately laugh because it was just so out of place and so not <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, I know what scene you're talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man. And I just did not... After loving that first movie and seeing how it's so applauded with like a ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety eight. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous. No. I swear to God, it's a ridiculous number. Uh, but it is. 
people saying it's better than the first one and the first one is among my favorite you know spoiler alert again yeah but the second one the music is not good the jokes don't land uh they end up using a song twice in that movie drax is way over the top and not the drax from the first movie now he's just a fucking punching bag essentially for their jokes that don't land you know yeah and he does have some good jokes like when he meets uh the bug girl what's her name yeah mantis maybe is that her name yeah it's mantis when he meets uh mantis and you know says she's hideous but she's like beautiful on the inside or something you know that was kind of cute and funny and but he was that the entire movie you know and so many of the jokes didn't land for me you know Drax so, has like oh, okay. one touching it's, moment it's that dropped literally a, involves touching. It's dropped a little bit on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 82 now. Uh, IMDb gave it an 8.1. And then Metacritic is a lot lower at 67 out of 100. So I'm more in line with Metacritic. You know, it's it gets a passing grade, but I wouldn't really want to watch it again. Right. Uh, my fourth worst movie of the Marvel Universe for me is... Going to be Thor, The Dark World. And Makes sense. The reason why is because it's just not memorable. Like, you know, I like the characters in it fine, specifically like the professor. The professor is probably the best character in that entire movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Easily. I do like how Loki kind of twists things at the end, and I like the after credit scene that kind of sets up Ragnarok, where uh, spoilers for an old movie. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> Loki has replaced Odin uh, on the Super throne. spoilers. <laughs> but it, in the end, it just wasn't really that memorable. You know, you had the dark elves that just, I don't even remember what they were trying to get. They were coming right. to Earth dimension for well, something. And they eh. had these giant spires that were crashing into things for some reason. And Thor just hit stuff with his hammer, and it was solved. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the scientist did uh, science <laughs> and solved the problem, you know? <laughs> so while it was entertaining, it was short, which is important <laughs> for a bad movie. <laughs> it was short and tolerable. Yeah. Uh, but it was just kind of forgettable, you know? I yeah, Again, watch it on TV, wouldn't buy it. And then my fifth worst movie of the Marvel Universe is Ant-Man. A lot of people really loved Ant-Man. But for me, uh, I just thought it was a little overhyped. Maybe that was the problem for me watching it. I've seen it twice now because I thought maybe it was overhyped for me. So if I watch it a second time, I'll like it a little more. No, I still didn't like it that much. Uh, Paul Rudd, he... He just always plays the same guy. <laughs> and I, I didn't feel like I was getting much out of him. I, I liked him in Civil War. For some reason, he had better lines and better delivery in Civil War. But in Ant-Man itself, I just didn't like him. Uh, yeah. Michael I mean, Douglas pretty much hogged the screen every time they were together. <laughs> because he was just... He stood out as being so much better than Paul Rudd was in those scenes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the big thing with uh, Paul Rudd as you know we're we're going to really use this guy is that uh like you said he's the same guy in every yeah. movie he's in he's a doofus yeah he, like he, he does the doofus well that's yeah. that's his it's like he might <laughs> typecast. be he he might be like kind of good at like doing something in this movie which apparently is like thieving mm-hmm. but uh when it comes to just character interactions he's 
just an idiot. Yeah. And for me, maybe it's because I don't have kids. I mean, you have a daughter, so maybe you could sympathize with him a little bit more. But I didn't feel like his daughter, like, interactions were earned very much, you know? Not really. It's like, yeah, I see you care for your daughter, but you're never there, (laughs) like, ever. And you're constantly causing problems for this poor girl, you know? Right. I think the... And I just, I didn't like him. I don't know. Uh, I, I have a way to fix that movie. And that's basically what you do for establishing a character mm-hmm. is maybe actually show, don't tell mm-hmm. what happened to him that led to him going to jail. Yeah. And I mean, I had, there were some little laughs in there. Usually when Paul Rudd was performing his doofus role. <laughs> but again, he's he's this like elite engineer, you know, this elite electrical engineer. But he's still a doofus, you know, <laughs> uh, and a criminal at that, you know. Right. So I don't know. I thought there's just a lot of inconsistencies there. And, uh, and Paul Rudd, uh, you know, again, Michael Douglas did a great job. So he just made it even more painful <laughs> to see Paul Rudd just playing his typecast the entire movie. Like, he doesn't have expressions. He just has the same, like, you know, look <laughs> through the whole movie, you know. Uh and that's yeah. not that's not anything against Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd, especially in like Anchorman. You know, oh yeah, he's probably my favorite character in Anchorman. But yeah, in movies like that, I would go as far as to say that's where Paul Rudd belongs. Mm-hmm. So that's my official list of the worst movies, in my opinion, in the Marvel universe. Iron Man three is the worst, followed by two, followed by Guardians, followed by Thor: Dark World, and finally Ant Man. So what are your five worst, and then we'll get into the best. Uh, my five worst. Man, okay. Uh, going to go out on a limb here and say the... So, like, the worst of the worst, in my opinion, Thor. Wow. <laughs> I actually like Thor. <laughs> I, and I'll tell you why. My biggest issue with Thor, his first outing in a movie, is that it's half a Thor movie, at least for me. Uh, There is a sizable portion of this movie spent exploring, like, what it would take for someone like Thor to become, like, a person, to become normal, to see what being people is like as opposed to just lauding himself over other people including other Asgardians as the son of Odin and the god of thunder and like the the guy who's like at a moment's notice ready to wreck some shit but Chris Hensworth <laughs> he's jacked man <laughs> how can hey, you say no to that bod uh, this is how I can say no to that bod <laughs> when, when you take that bod, that blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Aryan-looking male. Beautiful bastard he is. This beautiful bastard that he is. <laughs> and you take off that armor, and, oh, here's another gripe. They let him have a helmet for all of ten seconds. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's kind of been the case the entire time, though. Uh, true. It's like in the... the Thor the Dark World, the the helmet never shows up, but at least in the first Thor movie, he had it on for like a second and then immediately took it off. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is like <laughs> this, this is, is what, inconvenient. <laughs> this is what you're gonna get the entire time. Another <laughs> smash the helmet. <laughs> uh, the, the, when you take that bod and basically that body, yeah, just force him to basically take in the flavors of Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> That is a pretty random place to end up, especially when in the dark world they're on the opposite side of the country. It's like, oh my god, you guys had a shot in, like, here's the thing, the the half of the Thor movie that's actually a Thor movie that has Odin and Loki and the Jotuns from Jotunheim and, and throwing around and swinging around Mjolnir. Frost Giants. Yes, uh, that that's great. I love that. But when you bring in someone dopey like Cat Dennings to call that <laughs> fantastic hammer meow meow, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I, what do you not like about this? Uh, I, I'll tell you exactly what I don't like about it. That <laughs> that is the hammer. Of the gods. This yeah. is the hammer that imbues the power of Thor into someone. <laughs> and it's been reduced to a fucking cat meme. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I don't know. I have trouble. Again, I tell you, I always have trouble with, like, the space opera stuff and, like, the other world stuff, you know. I, I feel more connected to the characters when they're kind of earthly bound, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Right. Thor is one of those characters, especially in the comics, because of the way he talks. Especially in the comics where I'm just like, Ugh. another one of these stories, you know. I don't care what's happening on Asgard. <laughs> I don't give a shit what's happening in this space dimension. <laughs> I don't care, you know, what's happening on this frost giant world where everything is ice and nothing fucking matters, you know. Like, right. I liked it when he was on Earth and messing around with the idiot, you know. Like, <laughs> I, I, I. I could enjoy the movie more personally right. when he's on Earth and dealing with, you know, Loki fucking things up on Earth, you know? Right. And I could understand the appeal of that. I mean, I really do. It's like, oh, this is what it, like, what it would be like to take someone like that and put him on Earth. Uh-huh. And also, this is about making him humble, so <laughs> we're going to take away his powers and put him in the middle of fucking nowhere New Mexico, and we're, we're going to make him go through all of this shit to like have him learn how to be you know humble that that was the 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 moral of that story is humility but yeah i can i can see your point yeah I, I uh, the thing that really made that like the worst movie is actually the thor movie that's about to come out this year which i might put up there with like my top 5 w- once it's out uh thor ragnarok and the 80s hair metal album cover that that entire movie's gonna be <laughs> i don't know i'm ho- I, I think that movie would be good but i kind of wonder if it's being a little overhyped like civil war was for me like civil war was very good but there, i mean there was like long parts of that movie yeah i mean it's possible that that movie is being hyped the shit out of mm-hmm. unduly but with that being said that trailer made me think of what i wish the first thor movie was really yeah this is like th- this is what the first thor movie could have been i i would have loved for that movie the first thor movie to have ended with him being sent to earth 
being like punished for being proud and mm-hmm. starting a war that uh, his father didn't want. Yeah. But uh, that's not what we got. <laughs> we didn't get that. <laughs> and that that is why I, I can't like that movie. Okay. I, I can't. I give it, it to you. It hurts. Number uh, two. Number two. Second worst for me. Um, I think the second worst for me would be... Uh, honestly... That's going to be Iron Man 2. I put Iron Man 2 as my second worst. So below Iron Man 3 for you. Yes. I I think it's worse than Iron Man 3 because I like Lethal Weapon 2. It's worse than Iron Man 3 for me because this is a movie in which... It basically just seemed like a setup for the Avengers. This is a movie that didn't have nearly enough whiplash, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, whiplash was pretty cool. Yeah, and they turned Hammer and anything Justin Hammer related into a joke. (laughs) Mostly because Tony Stark doesn't take anything seriously. Mm. But still, like... Justin Hammer, he's not the type of guy that that you make a joke out of. This this is the type of guy who is basically Tony Stark without any morals, like <laughs> at all. This is this is the guy who would actually invent that uh, Iron Man suit in a cave and actively give that to his captors so that he can escape scot free. Yeah, like that. That is who Justin Hammer is. Um, but they turned him into basically a bumbling tech <laughs> idiot, Sam Rockwell. It's not quite as bad as BVS Lex Luthor, but it's bad nonetheless. It's bad. It, it, it's bad and it hurts. And what they did with the Tony Stark Pepper Potts thing Pepper, it, man. It, 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 here's the thing that uh, hurt I liked her me. more in two, yeah. but three, she was awful, Yeah, the, <laughs> in my opinion. I don't know. The, the Pepper Potts, what they did with her, like what they let Gwyneth Paltrow do with her, I thought was fine. Mm-hmm. How Tony Stark carried himself throughout that movie and basically trying to hand over the company... No, he wouldn't. <laughs> Never in a million years. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Give over that, daddy's company. Uh, yeah, that that is very out of character for him. Yes, very. And I had no problem with Don Cheadle. I have a problem with Don Cheadle being relegated to sidekick. <laughs> I, I would take Don Cheadle in any other capacity than military officer. Right. I mean, like, as a military officer, I was like, eh, like, I don't have any experience. I'll let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When it came to making him, like, the guy who's taking orders from a person he's had to babysit, I was like, no, he wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. (laughs) No, he fucking would. It was like, that that was a There was just too many things that were out of character for me. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and it, it took me out of the movie. It just it's like, oh, Avengers tie-in. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like it's a very thin line for me, you know? Yeah. Three and two could be switched very easily, but it, for me, three just had the more egregious issues and inconsistencies <laughs> for me. Oh, and, yeah. And two was a very close follower of three, you know? Yeah, which is why for my next one, the next one's number three. All right. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page here. My biggest pet peeve. And it sucks because Robert Downey Jr. is easily the best character in the Marvel Universe, you know? Uh, yeah, they, they play the shit out of him. he has two of the worst movies. <laughs> <laughs> he does, and it hurts. Because <clears throat> like, he, he's a shining light in those garbage heaps that just will never be the first Iron Man movie. Yeah. Um, the thing that really chapped my ass about Iron Man Ooh, 3. Gonna need some chapstick for that ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll like, get out the whole stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, God, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, internet, get at me. Um, the, the thing Let that... the photoshops begin. Oh, it's gonna be bad. <laughs> uh, the thing that chaps my ass about Iron Man 3 is the Mandarin. He was like, which one? <laughs> the uh, white one pretending to be Oriental, or the really white one who's not <laughs> even trying to pretend, but still takes the mantle. Uh, okay. Um, fun fact: Ben Kingsley is actually Indian. Really? And by Indian, I mean from India, Indian. Ben Kingsley is a stage name. Wow. And he very easily passes for white. Wow. Yeah. I just learned something. Yeah. Why do I look like a douche? <laughs> With that being said, they played him as a white. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they played him as the white that gets found out to be the fake one to reveal the other white one. Yeah. <sighs> but it, then again, if they had a, a Southeastern Asian person being the mandarin that would also be very out of the times and very <laughs> probably racist and this is going to sound it's a really very complicated approach they had to take there yeah it, this is going to sound really bad but i really wanted the asian one and 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 i'll tell you why uh for some reason we've gotten pc to the point where as you were mentioning like much earlier, for some reason, only whites are allowed to be villains in Hollywood nowadays because yeah. we have to play it PC. We don't want any negative stereotypes out there yeah. or anything like that. There is a very smart way they could have played an Asian Mandarin. Um, one, you never fucking call him that. <laughs> Two, you still let him be Asian and maybe also make him uh, a weapons dealer who might be into magic, which could have helped launch Doctor Strange, mm -hmm. which we'll get into that See, one. I think it would have been a cooler idea to release Doctor Strange first and have you know, the Mandarin being like, the counterpart to the ancient one or something, you know? Right. Or end something up being like that. something like a, a wayward disciple sure, that yeah. gets mentioned at some point. That would be really cool. And then have 
them just kind of cross paths with Iron Man and Iron Man three. That that could have been really cool. Right. Uh, the, another... uh, the arms dealer idea is cool. You could have a person that's from a part of China that speaks Mandarin. And right. so his, you know, street name is Mandarin because right. he speaks Mandarin, you know, but he deals arms or whatever else, you know. The the funny thing is, in the very first Iron Man movie, there is a reference to the Mandarin in that uh, that group that had captured him. They were called the Ten Rings. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I never realized that. Yeah, and the, the Ten Rings were a reference to the Ten Rings that the Mandarin wore yeah. on, on his hands. Yeah. Um, what they could have done was they could have had a scene that harkens back to that first movie and just have him basically being the person pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. Maybe he lets Tony Stark go or something, you know? Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, like have him be be the one who passes the information to uh, Yusuf, the the other guy who's a captor. Yeah. Or who's not a captor, the but a professor uh, that's captive. helping him out. Yeah. yeah. Um. That could have been a really smart way to kind of tie those two things together. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he was unconscious. Yeah. And if the Mandarin were, say, an arms dealer uh, with other things going on, for sure. But if he was an arms dealer and his biggest supplier, the Stark Corporation, you know, Stark Industries. Yeah. The, <laughs> the person that runs the company is suddenly injured by a bomb that he's probably responsible for. Uh that would be pretty cool that he said went to his top guy and said, hey, go help him out. Patch him up. When he wakes up, pretend like you're captive too and help him get out, you know? Yeah. Or he could have been someone who was caught in the so he black. Doesn't, he doesn't want to lose cred with these terrorist factions he's manipulating, you know, or yeah. something along those lines. That would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a cool idea. Yeah. It unfortunately is not something that actually happened. And of course, <laughs> hindsight's fifty fifty. You know, right? We, we were it, in the creators' room. You know, they, right? Ugh, the they probably I didn't even said. know they were going to be able to make a second and third movie when they were making it. Cause, yeah, you know, this kickstarted. Yeah, you know. Iron Man was a gamble to be mm-hmm. sure, and yeah, it, it paid off mm-hmm. for sure. But uh, I, I, that is the big. That is, I think the main reason why I didn't like Iron Man 3. Uh, there is a secondary reason, not related to Pepper Potts, since we've already talked about that, mm-hmm. not related to uh, rich white Mandarin. Uh, it has to do with how they handled the what was supposed to be the extremist story, uh, which is supposed to be how... Essentially, Tony Stark makes himself into a superhuman. Like, this would have been something where uh, you get to see his need for being on the bleeding edge become like a something of a character flaw and not like, mm-hmm. like oh, I'm always the one who's at the edge of technology and like it's always great. Sure. Like, this could be, this could have been like the story where he risks his life with something that someone that he knows from a while back had created and has no way of really knowing whether or not he's going to come out on the other end. Uh, You reminded me of something else I really disliked about the third one, which which is why another reason why it pushes it lower than two for me. Yeah. There's a part in the movie where they take what in comics has been very traditionally 
a breaking point for Tony Stark in the form of alcoholism. Yeah. And they take that and they make it into kind of an act, you know, <laughs> so that he can get people out safely, you know. And so he, uh, pretend, he yeah. you remember the scene, he pre- he more or less pretends to be a drunken slob. And That's an Iron Man 2. Is that 2? Yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe I need to change my rankings. Yeah. <laughs> I could have sworn that was 3. Is yeah, it- no. That's uh, the first time that uh, Rhodey puts the, the suit on. Uh, Rhodey puts the suit on because... I'm mixing uh, I, my terrible Iron Man movies together, apparently. Yeah. Well, maybe two needs to drop lower now. I don't know. Yeah. I still dislike three a lot, though. <laughs> uh, three's got a lot of shit in it. But yeah, but when they, they take his you know problem that has been like a breaking point for Tony Stark throughout comics, you know, for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and made him a more human character and made it into kind of a joke act, you know. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like I'm just going to get drunk because I'm trying to make people like not like me. As so opposed get to get out like, of my hair <laughs> like right now, not because I have an issue that has been building up over time, you know. Yeah, like an actual issue. Yeah. with booze. So, that that seemed like a big wasted opportunity, but uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh I think we got it pretty consistently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 2 and 3 pretty bad. In your case, you think Thor is the worst. I personally would put uh thor the dark world as the the second least bad so the fourth worst yeah Mm uh mostly because i just don't remember it very well (laughs) yeah i had the same issue yeah we discussed yeah it just doesn't hurt me nearly as much and for the last of the worst um what would I say it is? That's where it gets tough because the movies are after that point they're good. Yeah, you know, the worst of the good, you know. Yeah, the the worst of the good movies. You know, I considered like Age Ultron. I considered you know first Captain America. Oh, um, oh yeah, it's Age of Ultron. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. That movie was so slow. Uh, it was it was right on the verge between that and Ant Man for me. Uh, it it was slow. It was. <laughs> it, it in a lot of ways just seemed like a just a very petty movie to make. Yeah, just because I, I'm it, just going to say me, it, it felt like Iron Man four. <laughs> yeah, it really did. It, it felt like that. It felt like a a cheap way of like showing off what they technically have the mm-hmm. rights to with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And then they had things that were just completely random and not explained, like Thor going to this random fountain in the middle of nowhere for no reason and <laughs> coming and suddenly deciding, oh, I had a vision of some kind that we didn't see and I'm going to shock this robot and bring it to life, you know? like uh, I had this vision. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're going to call you? To a much lesser extent, I think, is kind of Marvel's BVS, where it's just so <laughs> many things going on that didn't make any sense and had no context and just kind of a bad villain. And... Too many cooks. Yeah. <laughs> there, there were too many things going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> here's the thing that kind of, it, it just hurt. It hurt. For me to watch this because it it was inconsistent. Yeah. It, this is uh one of the uh movies that is in the Marvel cinematic universe as opposed to the ones that are 
technically Marvel movies, but outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. that was inconsistent within itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll put it out there right now. It's Quicksilver. <laughs> Quicksilver. Yeah, his death was just... It, I'll tell you oh. why it's absolute bullshit. Like, m- not moments. Like, maybe, like, 20 minutes before that scene where he gets shot to death by bullets. There is a scene where there is a bullet coming up from the floor, going in slow motion. That should basically tell you that bullets should not be a thing that he has to worry about. Mm-hmm. His perception of time should be such that everything's going slow to him. Like, for example, the good Quicksilver from X Men, <laughs> <laughs> who just pushes him aside and it, laughs it off. Right. It, like, it would be one thing if, you know, like we, we make the Marvel Cinematic Universe Quicksilver. He's fast, but he, his brain still operates in real time. Mm. Um,. But to make it, to make that scene where he visibly sees a bullet going in slow motion mm-hmm. that undercuts every instance of him getting shot in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have had like a, maybe a little more weight. I think maybe they had probably originally planned for Hawkeye to die. Yeah. Because uh, they, they showed off his family in that movie and really brought it, it home. Yeah, that, it know, was directed by Joss Whedon, so he, we all assumed yeah. that he was going to kill Hawkeye the, off. They very much set it up that, you know, he's only doing one more mission to help you guys, you know, because he wants to be with his family or whatever. And, of course, because... Marvel seems to forget these things later on, you know. It, it doesn't stay the case, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of problems. The more I think about it, maybe Ant Man deserves that sixth spot instead of that fifth. I don't know. Yeah, Aja, you bring up a lot of good points. Just that I forgot about inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. So let's do the speed round here because we're running out of tape. Uh, speed round five best for me. Uh, the best Marvel movie has to be Guardians of the Galaxy, the original. That movie just came so far out of left field and blow, <laughs> blew me the fuck away. I didn't, I couldn't even imagine how much I loved that movie. Because prior to that, I didn't know who the fuck Guardians of the Galaxy were. I don't think most people knew who the fuck Guardians of the Galaxy were. They didn't. You know, unless you were a diehard Marvel fan, you know. Maybe you did. I didn't. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I knew about the Guardians. Mm-hmm. I knew that the Guardians had been different groups yeah. at certain points. But, uh, yeah, like even in the comics, they weren't presented nearly as comedic yeah. as they and, did. And, and I, that's yeah. uh, it's, it's funny you bring that up because after seeing that movie, I was like, God, I got to read these comics. And I went <laughs> back and read several different volumes of several different series of Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was like, this is shit <laughs> i mean it's not shit but it just wasn't that good it was like it, 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 man it's not what you expected marvel took a r- huge risk with this movie and it paid off gloriously oh yeah the soundtrack is great the character dynamics is great they're not forcing the jokes like they did in the second one you know they're yeah not, they're not trying to kind of cater to fan demand i mean that movie just hit me so hard and maybe there's a little bit of that low expectation that gave it a little boost but man, I can still watch that movie and I'll be singing with the music and still laughing at the jokes. They still feel fresh and good. And like, oh, yeah, even the villain like mattered, you know, <laughs> to the greater scheme of what's coming with Infinity War. Like, yeah. there was a narrative that was connected and still like 
move the Marvel universe forward, whereas Guardians Two had like the one cameo that mattered, <laughs> and then nothing else really mattered in that movie. Yeah, you know. Uh, so I gotta give it to Guardians because that just blew me away, and I still love that movie. You know, I don't know why I don't own it on Blu-ray yet, but I should. That is easily my favorite yeah, Marvel that, movie. That movie is a must-have if you don't have it already. For sure. Uh, number two, uh, it's a hard decision, but I think I got to go with Avengers, the first Avengers, because that was the first time we saw them all together, and that's that was the big moment we were all <laughs> waiting for and hoping for. Yeah, and it's literally movie history. For sure, and it just it it was awesome. You know that that scene where Hulk goes. <laughs> Smash, 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 and then puny God, you know, when Loki's being a dick, you know? Yeah. That was just so perfect, and they hit those notes so well, and there were some things that were kind of convenient, you know, but I loved how they addressed everything. I like how Tony just kind of rides a nuke into space and, you know, you know, almost dies in space, and then is, in the future is traumatized by that event, you know? There's yeah. lasting effects, not only for him, but for New York City, oh, and for yeah. the government, you know, and for what happens in Civil War, you know, how they fear that we got all these things coming, you know? Uh, it was just a good movie, great movie all around, and, you know, I, people love Loki, Tom Hiddleston, and he's good, don't get me wrong, he's really good, but, like, I really don't feel like Marvel as of right now, has that key villain yet. Not yet. Including Loki. And again, Loki's great. He's fine. You know, like, I don't have any issues with him. And he served the purpose for that movie. But, uh, yeah. Uh, that's why it's just below Guardians for me. Because it still didn't have that kind of lasting villainous impact, you know. Right. Uh, three. Gotta rush these out, man. Uh, for three, uh, I'm gonna have to go with Spider-Man Homecoming. I really, really enjoyed it. I know you have some problems, apparently, that we'll discuss later. Yeah. But I re- it really surprised me. And I think, again, it was a thing of low expectations because Guardians had been so hyped, and then I went and saw it, and it disappointed me so much. And then I think because of that, when Spider-Man got hyped, and I you know, kind of didn't want to see it because <laughs> I was afraid of being disappointed, you know? Right. And I went and saw it, and it was everything I've kind of didn't know i wanted from a spider-man movie you know i've been so conditioned by toby Maguire's spider-man <laughs> that i didn't realize i wanted a person that actually looked like they were a teenager that actually acted like they were a teenager that actually you know uh had friends that were teenagers you know and not 35 year old people you know yeah uh, i just love how they handled him you know i i loved it far more than i expected to <laughs> And again, maybe it was a little bit low expectations, but it was great. And I love seeing Michael Keaton. Like, Michael Keaton was great. Oh, yeah. I, I wish he was in more stuff, you know, because I love Michael Keaton. And he does the crazy part well. He's got, <laughs> he's got those crazy eyes locked down, man. He's so intense. And they had some twists in that movie that just really caught me that I really didn't expect that I really loved. And, I mean, there was some, you know, kind of winking at the audience types of things you know and that's yeah that's in every marvel movie so i kind of i was able to dismiss those things you know they weren't egregious there was some kind of goofy cg in it you know (laughs) where he's kind of got gumby limbs going on but overall it blew me away it was a very very good movie oh yeah uh not dark knight good like some (laughs) people are claiming but it was very good yeah like i also like while i do have my issues with it i enjoy that movie very much Mm -hmm. my number four 
is going to be Iron Man. Uh, Ooh. The one that really kicked things off. I mean, Hulk got it kind of started technically, you know, with Norton and everything. But uh, yeah, it was Iron Man that really got things going and really sealed the deal for Marvel and uh, Disney <laughs> <laughs> to kind of push things forward uh, with Robert Downey Jr. But Iron Man just really, really came out of nowhere for me and just really impressed me. And it was just so cool. And Robert Downey Jr. was just such a likable character that it was really fun to just watch interact on screen. You know, he just owned that character so well and made that movie what it was. Uh, it, it, it falls to four because it has that kind of weak third act, you know, that weak final the final game boss fight kind of, you know. Right. With the, you know. Kind of like the villainous, you know, pseudo uncle, you know, <laughs> you know, the guy that helped raise him, you know, it's like, well, now I guess I have no attachment to you whatsoever. I'll just kill you now that you're an adult, <laughs> you know, right. Seemed kind of really inconsistent and kind of silly, but, uh, you know, it was a bit weak, all things considered. So, yeah, Iron Man uh, is my number four spot. And number five, I don't think a lot of people expect this, especially if you didn't bother to see it. But Doctor Strange with uh Ben a doodle cumber snooch <laughs> being, <laughs> being a dick in a cucumber batch <laughs> yeah <laughs> our favorite uh BBC Sherlock actor oh yeah uh but no that I didn't expect much from Doctor Strange uh I I figured it would be like a kind of a visual delight type of thing but I ended up really enjoying it like yeah, even when Cumberbatch was playing the kind of despicable, narcissistic character you didn't like, he was still kind of fun to watch, you know? Uh, the lovable asshole. Yeah, and I really kind of, I really liked it. I mean, there's a little bit, there's some silly things in there with the Ancient One being this, you know, ultra-pale white woman, blue-eyed white woman, you know? Celtic. <laughs> yeah, living in the Himalayan mountains, you know. It's a little inconsistent, but you know. Uh, All right. <laughs> but I guess Marvel was trying to avoid the, you know, mystic Asian stereotype, you know. Yeah. So maybe they deserve credit, but maybe if they'd put it, I don't know, in Ireland, <laughs> 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 made her like a druid or something, you know, like an ancient druid. <laughs> I, I would have even accepted little... them like having it passed to her from an Asian person. Yeah. So, I mean, that that movie was really good. And I liked how they kind of like drew some criticism even on her because even she was guilty of using that kind of dark realm power, you know, yeah. to empower herself to defend things, you know, and do what she saw as the right thing, even though it was probably the wrong thing in the long run, you know, because it made her corruptible. Right. Uh, so there's some dynamics in there that I really liked. Uh, it's another thing that a lot of these Marvel movies tend to skip out on a little bit is development character development like you saw a very clear and very clear progression for uh benedoodle cumbersnooches (laughs) (laughs) uh gradual incline in character and he kind of realized hey there's more than just beautiful little me in my you know whatever he was driving ferrari maserati whatever he had you know, yeah, and being this world class, you know, surgeon, you know, there's more to this, you know, and he had to learn a new discipline and you know really dive in and not just exploit his intelligence for an easy life, you know, where he could kick back and just you know enjoy yeah the best of the world, but he actually you know 
uh, had to work for something, you know, and he became great at it because he applied himself with his genius instead of just kind of leaning against his genius to make life easy, you know? Yeah. Uh, so there was a very clear and very cool progression and I loved his kind of sidekick <laughs> <laughs> that he had going on who kind of turned to the dark side at the end. And then, uh, the other pseudo sidekick he had <laughs> that was running the other, I don't know what they call them. Temples, but, ambassadors, <laughs> embassies, yeah. whatever it was, mystic embassies. And I even liked like the after credit scene where he has Thor, you know, <laughs> he's talking to Thor about mystic, you know, properties from other places, you know, and he's just refilling Thor's beer, you know. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. I mean, even the cape, the cape I thought was going to be super corny and stupid, but the way they handled it in the movie was kind of comic and fun and made sense, you know. Yeah, it, I, I, I love that cape. And, uh, I think the movie gets a little bit of unfair uh, criticism for that that big final blob, which is the final villain, you know, the <laughs> kind of undefined evil being thing. Oh, Dormammu. Yeah, but that, uh, it, yeah, I don't recognize it as Dormammu. Cause it, 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 was, it was me, a weird, like, face blob-shifting, yeah. like, Thing from yeah. the dark dimension that to you me, saw for like five minutes. Yeah, exactly. To me, Dormammu is the big flamehead guy that, you know, wrecks shit, you know? Right. But I liked how they had the kind of game where, where he was willing to sacrifice himself again and again and again to trap Dormammu into this, you know, endless cycle <laughs> in order to get what he wanted just by being the stubborn person he is naturally. <laughs> right. It, it was a clever way to subject what was supposedly a creature who lives beyond time mm -hmm. to the rigors of time itself mm -hmm. and i really love it and it, it might even be higher on the list for me i'd have to rewatch it i feel like i need to rewatch it a few times and decide but it's definitely top five for me i'd say yeah. somewhere between three and five you know maybe it could trade with spider-man or iron man but like it it's a really solid movie and you know benedict cumberbatch is is a legit presence in that movie you know and he oh, has yeah he has a very well written very cool you know storyline that really changes his character and really shows character growth which is what you want you know yeah i i thought like my favorite <laughs> thing about that movie is that uh he doesn't get you know the ability to become a surgeon mm. or or he could but he decides against it yeah. the thing that he'd been after this whole time and the visual effects in that movie are just cool, too, when they're flipping the cities all around and running in between all these pyres and stuff. Was, that was just cool. Was, oh, yeah. It's visually very impressive. And, like, you know a lot of it's CG, but it doesn't look like shitty washed-up CG. It looked like really well done, really legitimate CG, you know? Yeah. I, I That was actually one of the few that I saw in 3D. Yeah, that was that was it an was, awesome movie. Yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, for sure. It kind of It kind of gave me... Uh, uh what's that nolan movie uh, inception inception it gave me inception feelings like hardcore i was getting those kind of <laughs> vibes and i really enjoyed it you know yeah especially during those like chase fight scenes they had going oh yeah definitely so i would if you haven't seen that if you skipped it because you're like oh dr strange it sounds lame you know check it out it's a really good movie it, with a really good cast it's you know? definitely worth your time <laughs> so i'm done what do you got for your top five okay top five um Okay, I am also going to have um, basically uh, quite a few of the same that you picked. Uh, actually, 
Now I take that back. Um, two of the movies that I am going to have in there are going to be Captain America movies. Wow. Actually. Yeah. See, Captain America movies just rub me the wrong way for some reason. I don't know. Not yeah. not like Iron Man 2 and 3, but, you know, <laughs> something uh, they, about they, them just... They, they didn't really get you. Yeah, it doesn't land, including Civil War. You know, yeah. just don't land for me for some reason. Yeah. Civil War, I'm not going to have in my top five. I'd make that like a number six or seven, mm-hmm. honestly. But uh, Captain America, uh, the first Avenger... In Captain America, um, the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. I really dig those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 there's something about the uh, the kind of uh, <coughs> almost like propaganda feel that the first <laughs> one has. Yeah. It's like, we are taking our soldiers over to... Uh, Germany to mm-hmm. fight the Nazis and, and, and they, they're gonna suck Hitler across the jaw. Yeah, for sure. And they get, give him that kind of goofy reason to have the goofy costume, you know. Oh yeah, and call himself <laughs> Captain America, you know, <laughs> which is totally not owned <laughs> in present day time, you know. Right. It's like it's all about the stars and stripes. So see, it, and you gotta you gotta re- represent your country. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, Winter Soldier and uh, the first Captain America, in particular, are pretty good movies. Uh, you know. Captain America more for the visual stuff. Like I love the the chase scenes. I love like the choreography of the fights. Probably the best choreography in the Marvel movies. You know. Oh yeah. I lo- I love that choreography. But the first one had some clever points to it. You know, and I just thought it kind of fell apart in the third act. But that was just me. I I mean it it does kind of fall apart, but it it falls apart in that it it goes too simple, mm-hmm. which. Honestly, it kind of fits the premise of that movie. <laughs> simple uh, man doing simple things for yes. a simple premise. It's like, I, I am a simple man, and I am about doing the right thing because mm. it's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's Captain America for me, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, as much so, as I love the, the lovable bastard... I I love the uh, good-natured, good-hearted, I'm-going-to-do-the-right-thing type of guy. Just a little bit more. So are you saying one of the Captain Americas is number one? Um, I'm going to say one of the Captain Americas is number two. Um, So what's your number one, then? My number one... What is going to kill everybody? Just knock them down, get all the monies. It's got to be Guardians. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we're on the same page. (laughs) Only because it's one thing to have, like, one lovable asshole, but when everyone's a lovable (laughs) asshole in their own way. Set to an awesome soundtrack. Set to an awesome soundtrack. (laughs) And and it included the Nova Corps, which Mm. never get any play, honestly. Didn't expect them at all. Right. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just for some reason, like for me personally, all of the jokes landed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the things that weren't necessarily intending to like just be a, a straight up joke. Yeah, I can't even remember one that even remotely like pulled me out of it. Right. I enjoyed every single one. Yeah. I still do. <laughs> I rewatch it all the time. It's, it like, still gets me. From things like, oh, I have this plan. I'm going to need you and you and you to get this thing. And you, Pete, I'm going to need you to get that guy's leg. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, like, cut to him actually getting it. And he's like, 
you want my what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a gem of a movie, man. Right? That's that's a rare type of movie, you know? Yeah. It's just all around fun. Oh, my God, it is. Right below that, I would put uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Wow. Because okay. I really like spy movies. <laughs> and that's what that movie was. Yeah, sure, definitely. Yeah, the, I think the Marvel... And seeing S.H.I.E.L.D. just get exploited that way. It was really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the Marvel does best... When instead of trying to be a comic book movie, they tried to be another type of movie, but fit the comic book into it. And I think that is how, honestly, Captain America Winter Soldier was received as well as it was. Yeah. And, like, uh, we don't see Samuel L. Jackson really much after that, you know? We see him a little bit in Civil War, right? But the last time you see him is in a helicarrier in... Uh, Avengers Age, Age of Ultron. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was like, kind of like last minute. It's like, oh, yeah, like I, I got the helicarrier. Yeah. But he, you know, his, his role is greatly reduced and largely because of the consequences that come from Winter Soldier, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. You, know, yeah. you don't imagine Nick Fury backing down, you know? Yeah, like seeing the the, the world's like super spy, the one that Tony Tar- Tony Tark, Tony Stark... <laughs> It's getting late, Go, folks. Yeah. Goes out of his way to say, like, he is the spy. His secrets have secrets. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is this is the premier spy, like, even more than Black Widow, mm-hmm. like, in all of Marvel history. Um, and to see, like, him being taken out by this mysterious assassin that's just pulled out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Who's, like, a fucking ghost story. Mm-hmm. Like, the... the Somehow, someone pulled out the fucking boogeyman, yeah. and he got Nick Fury. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, I, and, it, I, yeah. and that movie is what makes Civil War even viable. Oh, Without yeah. Winter Soldier's very, very good setup, you really probably wouldn't have that. Done. Like, if, if he became too chummy with Winter Soldier too quickly, you know? Yeah. Steve Rogers and uh, Bucky, you know? You'd have, you know, you'd have a civil war that didn't really didn't make sense because they're so chummy already. Right. Instead of him searching for his friend and trying to redeem his friend and save his friend, knowing full well what he did to Tony's parents, you know? Oh, yeah. And, like... and if they had become, like, just straight villains the entire time with no threads of connection, it wouldn't make sense for Steve to hide the truth from Tony in Civil War. You know, right? It was like they they had to reestablish just how attached to Bucky it, that he is. Yeah. So I which, agree. It's a, I mean, especially for the MCU, they really set up a cool dynamic that sold Civil War. E- even though I didn't enjoy it quite as much as a lot of people did, it yeah, it still sold it the point very well. You know, yeah. Um, I'm with you on that. That uh, the the way that uh, Winter Soldier is set up, it just it was. <sighs> See, that was a movie that I basically thought was perfection until Guardians of the Galaxy came out. <laughs> yeah, or did that come out <coughs> after Guardians? I'm not sure. Damn, I'm dying. I think yeah. there there was the same year. Yeah, I don't remember which came first. I thought Winter Soldier came first. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> excuse me sorry yeah oh my god <laughs> so yeah it is so that's your number two yeah that's my number two um my number three is 
probably mm, uh, number three is probably the first Avengers movie. Yeah, he's just it's like, hard to pass that up. Like everyone fucking shows up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> I didn't think that this was ever going to happen in my lifetime. Yeah, and it's just like, let alone uh, in like three years after Iron Man, you know? Right, man. What like, a moment, man. The the only thing that kind people of people born after that time won't realize how big a deal that was, you know. Oh yeah, we had never like, had have no anything idea. remotely like that up until then, you know. Yeah, Kid, uh, kids that were born around that time are just gonna have no idea what it's like to live in a world where that's not even seen as a possibility, you know. <laughs> Nobody could have imagined like, that prior. That, that wasn't done. Yeah, that just wasn't done. It was just seen as too much effort, too much money, too much risk. You know, there's no way. There's no way people are going but to invest. They, they in all fucking of these did it, man. Oh yeah, they did. And it's it's hard to take away that feeling, man. Yeah, I, the only thing that pulls me out of that movie a little bit is that. Before that movie happened, the the issues that were happening with Edward Norton, like either asking for too much money or he just wasn't really on board with the project mm. and they had to get in someone new, which, by the way, Mark Ruffalo, he, he does a good job. He, he does a good job. And I'm waiting to see him hopefully knock it out of the park in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. With that said, with that one minor grievance, the, the rest of the movie's great. Uh, Loki could have been a bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chitari died a little too phantom menacey mm-hmm. for me. Chris is the one weak spot that'll <laughs> shut them all down, you know? Yeah. That sort of thing. I yeah, yeah the, I, I agree. It's a very convenient way to stop them. It was very convenient, but it is like, this, this is, this it is was how fun we're to watch. This, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun watching New York get fucked up and me somehow not correlate that to nine 11. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It was just a lot of fun yeah. all around. Um, so that's three. What do we got for four? Uh, number four would be Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, wow. You got both of them on the top five. Oh, yeah. Whew, oh, you must yeah. really love those movies. <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't love them that much. <laughs> uh, I love Whew. the first Captain America movie because Chris Evans. Chris Evans. <laughs> he, he, he's he, a god. He's a studly dude. It, it, he's not just a studly dude. But it was the Skinny Steve story that really fucking sold me on it. And it was like, this is this uh, really earnest, Dudley Do-Right type character. It's mm-hmm. just like, he's down on his luck. You see later in Winter Soldier that he was like basically an orphan at that point. Mm-hmm. He only had like Bucky looking out for him. Which is a It's little... ironic how that dynamic switches, you know. In the movie, yeah. Um, but... Uh, it was done so well, and like they played up the whole. Oh, they finally give him a chance, and he explains how it's just like it's World War Two. I feel like I should be on the front lines. Yeah. I, I shouldn't be here, like not fighting alongside the other people who are giving their lives. Yeah, for doing the right thing. And I think he has that kind of dynamic that all of us have a little bit at some at some point in our life where right. we're like. Man, I should be doing more. I feel like I can do more. I know, like, 
in my present state, they're not going to let me or I'm not going to be able to maybe, but I, I'm going to try to overcome the odds and, you know. Yeah, it's like he, he represents, for me, the like the part of me and everyone mm-hmm. who can recognize the right thing to do and hopefully do it. Mm-hmm. Or at least in this case, be allowed to do it. Yeah. For me, I totally agree with everything you're saying up until that third act, that last part of the movie. And that's where it just, it, it loses everything for me. You know, with the whole, I gotta just ride this plane into the ocean and freeze, I guess. And, you know, <laughs> conveniently. <laughs> Again, yeah, a simple just, man. Yeah, simple villain, you know. <laughs> Again, Marvel kind of struggles with its villains, uh yeah at least so far when when they're not x-men villains i think spider-man actually has probably the best villain because he has depth (laughs) whereas everybody else is just kind of bitter from the beginning is like evil for evil's sake or like i'm mad because i was screwed over one time michael keaton's character has a lot of depth you know uh not to spoil anything but you know he's got he's got reasons for what he's doing and how he perceives the world you know oh yeah uh it's actually funny that you bring up that movie because that's my number five. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you had a lot of problems, so I was worried. Uh, I mean, I have issues with it, but the enjoyment that I got that I got out of those movies outweighs the issues that wow. I have with it, and it gives me hope for what I hope they're going to do later down the line. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I that is my number five because. While there were some issues that I had with it, uh, most of them being either inconsistencies or uh, story elements or characters that could have been swapped out for others. Mm-hmm. It, like, I understand. Like I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the story itself, what they present, is probably one of the more enjoyable Marvel stories to date, for sure. Yeah, and uh, it's not like world changing like say a dark knight was but it's it's a local it's story very good yeah. yeah very small scale very cool story yeah i think that what it has going for it is kind of the same thing that the netflix series have going for them is that mm-hmm. it feels local it feels small it feels like it could be happening next to you i need to get more into those because i watched the first few episodes of daredevil and really enjoyed it but i just fell off the, the wagon you know <laughs> and quit paying attention to it you know i, I mean it, it's kind of a commitment yeah uh it, like if we were including the netflix series is i probably would have had the daredevil season one and luke cage season one Instead of like maybe a couple of the movies that I had in my really? top five, wow, Be- and that's only because with Daredevil you get more time with him personally than you do with any of the other Avengers combined. Sure, it's like thirteen hours with this one blind guy yeah. who's just got a lot of shit going on. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I just want to say this for anybody watching who has not seen Spider-Man Homecoming yet, and why haven't you? Uh, I get it if you're watching this and you're like, man, they're just overhyping it, you know? Everybody's saying the same thing because, you know, the other guy said it. You know, they're just <laughs> repeating what the other guy said. I'm telling you, I felt the exact same way, especially after getting burned by Guardians 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
I thought it was just going to be, me, you know, fine. I thought it was going to be mediocre, like how I kind of feel about Ant-Man, you know. Uh, I was like, you know, it'll just be fine. I'll, it'll, I'll go see it. I'll forget it. And, it, you know, it won't matter to me. I went in there and got very, not quite Guardians level surprised, but I was very pleasantly surprised and really enjoyed it and really enjoyed, uh, what what's the kid's name? Tom Holland? Tom Holland. I love Tom Holland's representation of the character. And there wasn't really a weak character in the movie. I mean, maybe you could say the Liv character was right. a little weak. Uh, Liz. Liz, sorry. Uh, she's a bit weak. But uh, honestly, I thought the uh, Flash was not Flash. I didn't even pay attention to that kid. I don't know. <laughs> right, you, you're probably not going to because this has nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's had the very best a side character that you're going to forget. Yeah, his role is just to be the bully for having a bully's sake. You know, really, right? Really, I mean. He's not I, even that good a bully at that, you know? Yeah, no. This is like I, I have no problem with who they got for him. I just have a problem with what they had him do. Yeah. It's like he, he should have been, at the very least, an actual bully. He doesn't even have to be on the football team. Yeah. It just have him be a bully. That, that is the point of Flash. Yeah. And, I mean, you bring that up, and that's that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true, totally true. <laughs> Uh, but you know, besides those two characters, I can't really think of anybody. Like I, I really liked everybody. Now that's what I call a mediocre discussion. Mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> this week's cosplayer of the week is our friend Pete Mako, featuring his awesome Guy Gardner Green Lantern costume. Remember, if you'd like to be featured on our cosplayer of the week segment. Uh, you can submit your cosplay to our Twitter at HTBVids or on our Facebook at forward slash hit the books. Please don't submit other people's cosplay. Yes, if you're going to submit anything, make sure that it is your own work, not someone else's. Well, folks, I think that uh, wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books podcast. Thank you all for sticking with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit like and subscribe and follow us on uh, your podcast services. Uh, our RSS feed is uh, still uh, waiting to be put up because we're waiting for our URL to become free <laughs> again so we can uh, reacquire it. Um, it's coming soon, though. It will be soon, within within a few weeks. And you can always check us out on our social networks again. We're on Twitter at hit the books or excuse me at HTB vids and on Facebook at forward slash hit the books. Again, I'm your host, Chris Holcomb and I'm Emery Saunders. And thank you for watching. See you next week. Mediocre. (laughs) 